Hi, this is Danielle Prada, the host of Sip in Soma, a podcast where I chat with inspirational people from South Orange and Maplewood, New Jersey, who are connecting, collaborating, and contributing to our communities. Check out the podcast on the web at sipinsoma.com, on Instagram, and on Facebook. I look forward to chatting with you soon. Hi, Sip and Soma friends. This is Danielle Parada, your host of Sip and Soma, and I'm excited to bring you episode number 12 and another conversation about a wonderful organization in our town. Last week, I spoke with Nancy and Audrey from the Community Coalition on Race, and we discussed the history, the advocacy, and all of the work that is being done to truly integrate our two towns. And I was really excited and enlightened to hear, to hear about all of the work that has been done and all of the upcoming events that the Community Coalition on Race is hosting. So I hope that you really enjoy this conversation. I'm going to let you get right to it. But I do want to mention that it does sound like I'm on camera, and that's because I was. I taped this interview also via video so that people could watch it on YouTube. So please check out the Sip and Soma channel on YouTube. And I hope that you enjoy the conversation, whether you listen to it here or check it out there. Thanks, and without further ado, here we are talking about the Community Coalition on Race. Hi, everybody. Hello. Look, I'm here with people on video and on audio, so you can catch us two ways this time. I'm here with Nancy and Audrey of the Community Coalition on Race, and we're going to have a great conversation about what the Community Coalition on Race does, the history, and calls to action, because we all know that every organization in our town could use our help. So I want to hear about that, too. So I'm going to have these lovely ladies introduce themselves, and then we're going to chat. Okay. You want to start? Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> I am Nancy Gagne. I'm the executive director of the South Orange Maplewood Community Coalition on Race. I've been in that role 10 years as of this past August. Um, I've lived in the community for 22 years. I lived here as a child. My parents uh, lived here, so I have a long history uh, with the community. And uh, my role is to work with the board. We are a volunteer organization with a very small staff, Audrey and Nancy, and a part-time office administrator. Uh, I work with the board on uh, strategies, policies, finances, budget, and um, mission, achieving the mission, and working with the program director on developing what we bring to the community. That's great, thank you. Uh, and I'm Audrey Rowe, I'm the program director for the Community Coalition on Race. Um, have been in Maplewood for 36 years. It goes fast. And I've worked with the coalition for 20 of those years. Started out as a volunteer uh, in the marketing uh, area. And as I got more involved, uh, the organization wanted more of my time. I wanted to give more of my time, and I came on staff. So uh, I've been working as the uh, program director on a part-time basis. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, since about 2000. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it feels like yesterday. It, everything is so new because the world's constantly changing, and the work that we do is so important. It needs to change as well. Mm -hmm. I live here with my husband, uh, and I have two daughters. They're both grown and about. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm excited to talk to the community today. 
That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for being here. And I have lived here for 12 years and I have gone to, I've learned a lot more about you as I've kind of grown up in the community myself, having kids, being a teacher in the district. And I see that you already brought a coffee house flyer. So that was one of my first introductions was coming to some of the coffee houses oh, great. the past couple of years and then just finding myself seeing you everywhere, <laughs> seeing you everywhere. Because we said we see each other everywhere yes. at, at so many other events. But I'm really excited to learn about CCR for short, right? Um, and the history of how the organization came about. And I loved how you talked about evolution because times are always a change in and the fact that the organization thinks about that and tries mm -hmm. to come to new missions and goals is it just makes me so happy so I'm really excited to talk to you guys so tell me a little bit about the history of the CCR how did it come about and what were its first missions we're going to share this Absolutely. responsibility yes. <laughs> we finish each other's sentences yes but it's funny I'm just going to comment on the fact that you shortened our name to CCR oh, I was going <laughs> to call Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So we know there are so many acronyms in the community, but um, at, internally, and we try to promote this outside, we rarely ever shorten it. Um, the most we shorten it to is Coalition on Race. We want people to say the word race when they say our organization's name. We never want people to lose sight uh, of the fact or to hear. Uh, we want them to hear that what we are about is racial integration. That is always a part of the mission. The mission statement has changed. Uh, maybe there have been two or three iterations. Race has to be top of mind for the community. So thank okay. you. I will, I will never say CCR again. And that, that's a good thing. Thank you. All right, go ahead. You, you can start. You've been around longer than I have. You can start oh with it. You want to start okay. with this. So Community Coalition on Race, uh, we grew out of uh, what I call a, a dual uh, imperative. One was moral. One was uh, economic, basically. Uh, we The coalition uh, was formed at a time that there was change in the demographics in the community, and it was moving what seemed then like very quickly from being a, a totally or predominantly white community to having large populations of, of black folk, people of color, come in from our surrounding neighborhoods. Um, and in response to that, some people panicked and I'd like to, to go on camera and on record now saying uh, the biggest supporter of uh, problems with race is fear. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Fear. I totally agree And with that. that fear is what uh, was foremost in the minds of people who didn't know quite what to expect. And so they decided to put a sale sign on their lawn and move to right. what they thought might be greener pastures. But we all know better now. Oh, <laughs> for sure. And so, uh, so we wanted to figure out how do we stop that tendency, that trend? And the, the other side of that was a moral imperative, that as people of color started to move into, there was resistance, there were some very ugly things that happened mm -hmm. in our community. Um, there were uh, uh, paintings on people's buildings, people had their tires punctured, all kinds of things like that. And mm -hmm. in our usual fashion of um, Soma, South Orange and Maplewood, Rather than people shaking their heads and saying, oh, that's a shame, people rallied. That's great. And we had uh, a Harmony Day uh, down in uh, Maplewood Memorial Park where people, black and white, came together as a show of solidarity, that this is not who we are and this is not what we're going to tolerate. Wow. So that happened uh, in the early 80s. Um, 
fast forward of several years, people started to gather in their living rooms, uh, both in South Orange and Maplewood, almost simultaneously. So we had um, South Orange friends, Maplewood neighbors. They joined together to become friends and neighbors. <laughs> and that was a group of people, residents, people who uh, worked in the community, who were concerned about what was going on and wanted to have something happen. So those residents and uh, people at businesses joined with the town governments to try to tackle this issue. And we looked around smartly, knowing that we weren't the only people at this time going through that change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who else is going through this, and what have they learned, or how have they responded? And we discovered uh, there was a consultant who was uh, supporting and living in uh, Ohio, and he was working with the Shaker Heights, Ohio community and also had done some work with Oak Park, Illinois. Wow. And so we called him down, Don DeMarco, to meet with us and talk about what he had learned and what the communities had done and decided to hire him as a consultant. And so with monies from both town governments, Maplewood and South Orange, so from the very beginning to this mm -hmm. very day, our governments have been supportive yeah. of this issue. And that says a lot because there are groups across the country who formed but are not here today. Right. right. Because... They right. have not been able to sustain the effort mm -hmm. and have not had the commitment from their local governments and from their communities. So kudos to our governments, yeah. kudos to, to our residents. You're giving this. me goosebumps, Audrey. You know that? <laughs> no, because I feel like that's how things are, that's how you were here for so long. That's exactly. how that's exactly. we, Without the government, you without the people who are voting for the government, you know, it's all encompassing. Exactly. It's really right. important exactly. to hold space for these Issues and for these changes to be made, yes. huge, huge. Yes, you want to. Take uh, yeah, I'll just pick up from what you said about the support of the government. It is so important, and you're right that so many other groups that have formed in other communities may not last because this. It is a grassroots organization. It's very local. We do have an influence on other towns, surrounding towns. We get calls from all over the country, which we'll talk about a little bit more later. But. Um, it's hard to start this and to serve your community when there are so many other needs and demands if you don't have the backing of the municipalities. It de definitely shows that uh, it, it's a statement about who we are. Right. And having the um, Don DeMarco, who uh, Audrey mentioned earlier, he set us on, a, on this intentional integration path. He calls himself an intentional integration consultant and that's really what he brought to us and I'll, I'll also add to what Audrey said about the demographic change in the community when he was called in when there was real concern it was around the mid 90s around 95 96 um, some of it was anecdotal some of it was you know bore out in um, statistics you could see uh, that the community was uh, changing um, its demographics and it caused a lot of people it caused alarm as Audrey said, fear, um, because they didn't know or understand what that would mean. And it had so much to do with uh, his, Don DeMarco's intentional integration process was really connected to marketing the community and the economics of the community. Um, that's how you first, or, or a community can first save itself from a change that might be detrimental. Uh, can I piggyback on that? That's, yeah. that's a great point. And put your comma or your pen yes. in your <laughs> I don't want people to think that's all we're about, though. That's what I'm leading right, up to. So. Right. Well, the, the thing I wanted to mention is people think about what we do as this very soft, poofy kind of thing. But Don's approach was very scientific. It was based on the, uh, the economic model of supply-demand. Mm -hmm. 
And so the whole idea with being successful with integration is to create a situation, a community that everybody wants to live in right. and be in. So you're attracting people from all races right. and, and sustaining that. I and just have to say, you're both answering the questions that are in my mind. Oh, good. Yes. Because the question I was going to ask is how, you know, you mentioned fear before. And the question that I want to ask is, well, how do you overcome that? And it sounds like marketing is really about education. Mm -hmm. And it's really about showing people who we are as a community and why everybody being here that is so diverse, so different, so culturally different, racially different, mm -hmm. you know, all the differences, but racially very being intentional about that is meaningful and makes a beautiful community. And I think once you show people that, then the fear, it just recedes because mm -hmm. you're showing people without lecturing people. Yeah. Like right. people don't need to be lectured. Right. They right. need to well, be, sh it's like what we do in school, show, don't tell. Right. Yeah. You've got to demonstrate it. So that that's amazing. And I'd love to hear, yeah, I keep going. <laughs> yeah, just, I was going to add that we're, that's not all we're about. That The other half that Audrey mentioned, the moral imperative, it has to be a combination. You have to work on both fronts. You. So the marketing part is important because right. you're selling your, your community as an inclusive community, but that can't be fake. Right. <laughs> that has to be a reality in the community. Right. So yes, it was an economic plus to homeowners and to realtors to open up the market to everyone, to people of all races, because now you've, you, you're selling to a lot more people, but you've got to convince the people who are living in the community that this is a good thing for your housing um, prices. This is a good thing for your soul and for your family and for your kids in the schools. And then we have to work on making that a reality because the community has to live that um, inclusive and integrative uh, idea that uh, otherwise you're not gonna get the people to move. Yeah, there. I see the circle. Yeah. I see the circular, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's like sell the community as this, you know, market the community, mm. show people this community, inform the people who are living here the importance of that, and then help them live it. Exactly. So yes. that you can Look then keep, yes, That's right. right. Yes. So let's, when, once we gained that reputation, you know, it, it took a while, to, a number of years to oh, build yeah. that up. Um, it's been an ongoing slog <laughs> <laughs> because people move in and out. Yes. There's there are different leaders in place. The schools are run by different people. So on every front and in all aspects of community life, we have to keep working. We have right. never had a moment of rest where we could sit on our laurels and say, <laughs> yeah. okay, we're good, yeah. we're integrated, everybody's happy, yeah. black and white people yeah. get along, right. whites acknowledge their privilege, you know, right. it's, no, it has never played out that way, that's why we're still here. Right, yeah. it's still the work. And, yeah, and, the, and, the, and those dynamics are so important because depending upon what's going on in the world, we focus on different areas and different groups. Yes. Because yeah. integration, it, it's not a fixed entity. It shifts as people move in, people right. move out. In some cases, we might be saying that in order for us to be a truly integrated community, and there's no magic number, by the way, mm -hmm. you know, that we that we work toward. We right. don't do quotas. Right. So now we're integrated. Oops, we're two people off. Now we need to go get two more <laughs> yeah. people. But it, it's a general sense of what's going on in the state, what's going on in the region, what's going on in, in our community, and, and just making sure that we're always in a, a, a good mix. 
Right. And so depending upon what the issue might be, we might be working to support uh, the underrepresented group. Right. In the schools, it might be at any given point. At one time, for example, we were very concerned about uh, the high school and how it was, it was becoming predominantly black. That is shifting, has mm. shifted, and right. continuing to shift. So vigilance is a key criteria for our organization. We have to always be paying attention mm. and looking at things through the lens of race to say, what's going on? How does this affect mm. our right. integration and inclusion? And how do we respond to maintain and expand what we revere? Right. And then I, I meant we when I talked to Nubia, I mean, I that was really a great explanation of the history and how you move forward. Mm -hmm. And something else that Nubia and I talked about was um, integration and also intersectionality. Uh -huh. So, you know, looking at the underrepresented groups, of course, in the light of race, but you also do work for other groups or mm -hmm. with other groups and thinking about that as well. So can you talk a little bit about that? You want to start, Mace? Well, the first way I'll start is to talk about the fact that there's in, we work on black white issues as a an organization from the from the beginning, but um, we've always had to consider uh, socioeconomic status as well. It it's sort of built into what we do because as Audrey was talking about, we we don't have quotas. Well, we have to work with the schools and and how well they're integrated, whether it's by classroom or by school. We haven't fully, always fully achieved that. We certainly have never achieved that in the high schools. Um, so socioeconomics has always been part of that conversation. And we have had people talk to us, including a uh, uh, high school graduate from uh, the uh, school district, Dr. Michael Jeffries, came and talked to us about, uh, at one of our conversations on race, uh, about intersectionality and that everybody has multiple um, sets of privileges or uh, suffers multiple, can be oppressed in multiple ways. Right. So we're always cognizant of that in the work that we do. And I know that we want to talk about other racial groups and ethnicities and how we serve them. Um, so I'll let Audrey pick up from there. When, when you talk about intersectionality, we have to look at how we saw ourselves from our very inception. We are the community coalition on race. We always saw ourselves as not standing alone. But right. working with others to develop and support and expand the mission. Right. Uh, intersectionality for us is both an opportunity and a challenge. Mm -hmm. The opportunity is to combine with people who share our sense of uh, working for social, social justice. Uh, it's also recognition of the fact that no matter what group you're in, race seems to be an umbrella issue. If you are a woman, that's fine. If you're a woman of color, that's a different issue. Mm -hmm. If you are LGBTQ, that's one thing. If you're LGBTQ and you're of color, mm -hmm. that's a different thing. Right. Whatever the area, race always comes in. If you are of a different group, if you're Hispanic, right. you know, you're in a particular ethnic group, but if you tend to be you know, uh, of color, it, it's a whole different thing. So race connects so many different groups and so many different issues. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that we can acknowledge that and work toward that in the groups, it expands the, the army, the force that we have to work right. together. Mm -hmm. sure. The other side of that, which is a challenge, is that uh, race uh, has been around forever, the issues around race, and uh, it's, it's very persistent. 
and I think it's because we don't put the focus, whether it be uh, time, energy, and money, into really solving the problem. You right. know, uh, and so there's the concern that when you work intersectionality, inter intersectionality, you work with other groups, that the whole issue of race can become diluted. Mm -hmm. It can become secondary. And for us, that's not an option. Right? No. We want to keep it first and foremost. And to the extent that we're able to tackle that, I think that some of the underlying uh, supports that keep race in place are the same things that divide these other groups. Right. Yes. And when we tackle those things, yeah. that whole house of cards will fall. It's a great way to explain that. And also, I would just add that, you know, if we were another community, like I had a brief time in Palisades Park before we chose Maplewood, and we were very intentional about what community we moved to, especially after our experience uh, living there. Um, there was a lot of tension between um, Korean immigrants and uh, the whites who lived there and had lived, you know, a, a population that had lived there for a long time. Um, if we had a coalition there, the, the basis of it may be different, but we are serving a community in which, you know, 34%, uh, you know, up until very recently is uh, uh, made up of black people or, um, you know, 61% or 58% are uh, white people. We do have a presence of Hispanic, uh, uh, we do have an, an Hispanic population, we have an Asian population. It's much smaller, uh, we're inclusive of all groups, but we know that when we work on black-white relationships, that does tend to raise everybody else up yeah. uh, because the level of oppression, the history of oppression, against blacks in the United States is so pervasive that, you know, when we work on that, it definitely helps other groups. So something you mentioned, I mean, it just, when you talk about Palisades Park, it made me think of this. You're called upon by other groups mm -hmm. to do what? Are you called upon to, for them to come in and kind of look at what you do or for them to figure out how they could do it? I mean, I'm just thinking about some other towns that are mm -hmm. nearby mm -hmm. that are struggling yes. in other ways mm -hmm. yes. um and even you know it 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 has been heartbreaking for me to hear and but but also a chance for me to educate you know when people say oh all these all these people are moving in and mm -hmm. i'm like well what people mm -hmm. and what is what are you talking about mm -hmm. you know and as mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. person who very much understands mm -hmm. i feel i'm always working on it but understands my privilege understands my whiteness I can tell what that code is, what that what that's code right. for, right? right? Yeah. And so it's the same thing as being a parent with a child with special needs. I mean, there's definitely yeah. some, like, coding. Mm -hmm. And I'm at the point now where I feel like I can now be more educating versus getting upset by right. it and letting right. that limit me yes. from yes. being able to help somebody else learn, which is yes. what I feel like my goal and purpose is. So... Uh, all that said, how do you help other groups? What are some things that you do? I mean, you said you get calls from across the country. I'd love to hear a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, we, we've been called on by places in California, in the Midwest. Um, of course, I'm not remembering the community's names at this point. Um, most recently in New Jersey, we worked with people from West Orange, uh, Union, uh, uh, the Morris area, Morristown area, including uh, Chatham and Madison, um, people from the College of St. Elizabeth convened a group so that I could come and talk. Uh, we are scheduled. Summit. Oh, Sam, Summit Heights. multiple times. Yes. And uh, Berkeley Heights most recently, I mean, they called us. We are going to be speaking with them. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. 
Yeah. I really am because <laughs> I know so many people who have said, you know, we visited some other towns and we just couldn't choose anything but Maplewood mm. because they've, they've got mm. the infrastructure, they've got the support, they've got the organizations that really work on this. And, and yeah, you know, I'm glad. These, I'm sorry. No, a go lot for of it. these communities are um, in a good position because they're not, sometimes they are reacting. Oh, Scotch Plains is another one. That's right. Um, sometimes they're reacting to things that happened. Right. Children not being well served in school, racist incidents. They often come to us and they want to know how to solve that. They they first want to do a conversation on race. Right. And usually what we tell them is first you need to understand what your demographics are. Like how many people, you know, what's your population like? What's the appetite from your town leaders, from your school mm. superintendent, from your building uh, leaders, and from your municipal leaders, um, and from your police departments to actually engage in these conversations and to show some leadership on this issue. Right. If you don't have buy-in, you're gonna be fighting, which is fine, you can fight. Like we encourage you to go out and stake your claim for a need for real conversation to happen. But don't think that a conversation on race, uh, even a series over a year, sometimes they say, well, we're not gonna just have one, we're gonna have it multiple times. Um, and that's that's great, but you're going to have to be more activist and engage these other right. uh, leaders. So that that's sort of the beginning. That's where we start. And that's so perfect, Nancy, because we are so fortunate here in this community. Uh, the two anchors for what we've been able to accomplish is a progressive government. Many of these people, groups, almost all of them who come talk to us, mm -hmm. they have a, a, a town government who's either totally disinterested uh, everybody's in a in budgetary denial. cut <laughs> right, situation, right. so this is not a priority. Right. Uh, and they have such a small percentage of people who are not majority white right. that there's not a lot of, you know, energy right. or support. So they've been going across the borders and working with their neighbors in some cases on issues of social justice. Mm -hmm. right. So we're fortunate enough to have the critical mass here racially right. and to have the government governmental support. Uh, we've had a number of students. Um, many of them who grew up in our own community and some from other places who've taken what we do here and use it as the topic for dissertations. Mm -hmm. um, and people call and say, you know, we've researched the whole country and you're the only group we can find still yes. doing this yeah. work. And, and rather than, you know, feeling puffed up about it, it's, it's an additional challenge. Mm -hmm. It's an additional challenge. We need, we need to keep going and keep growing with our impact. And impact is, is something that, um, as an organization, we are becoming more mind, mindful of. Mm -hmm. um, we are holding ourselves to a standard that's more than about how many people show up at an event, but what is the outcome? Right. How yeah. does it really yeah. impact and help the students in the school? How does it further uh, help in the neighborhoods to get more interaction between people of different groups? So what is the result, you know? That's and, great. And, yes, yeah. It's very scientific is to be looking at, well, what's the outcome? And then looking at that outcome and saying, well, this is what we can do in response for better. How can we learn from that, you yeah. know, and mm -hmm. then move forward? Um, and we need you. <laughs> we need you to help with that because, you know, we, we have to get out of our own heads and mm -hmm. talk to the community to get the feedback. Right. So if we have, you know, 100 people come to an event and we get feedback from 10 people, then we're kind of at a loss to really right. know. Right. So right. Uh, if, you're, if you come to anything that we're doing, uh, if you happen to be part of the survey process, it's so important that you take it seriously because our, our community's at stake in what we right. value here. And I think, you know, I mean, 
I just want to reassure everybody that, and I can tell from the two of you that you want real feedback. You're not yes. looking for a puff up feedback. No. And I think that in our, in our, another issue in our society right now is that people are almost afraid to be honest mm. because they don't want to be called a complainer or they don't want to be conceived, uh, seen as somebody who's negative. And I don't think that at all. I mean, I actually, um, voice journal I don't write in a journal I voice journal so this morning I was journaling about um, failure and how I used to in in my classroom be like if a kid got something wrong in a math problem I'd be like yes yay (laughs) that's so awesome and the kids would look at me like I had two heads because I celebrated mistakes because Mm -hmm. I said mistakes teach you what not to do you're never going to do this on a test because we're all right. 25 of us learning right now. That's not how you do it. And you're going to remember this moment because I'm I'm celebrating it yeah. because so we're going to yeah. remember that that doesn't work. That is so perfect. And I feel like I love I tell people all the time, share with me glows and grows. Somebody told me that my volume was, you know, was off on my podcast and mm. so I started being more mindful yes. and noticing that yes. somebody told me I say like a lot and I've been <laughs> really working on that everybody I'm just letting you know uh, but I was so grateful for the people who stood up and gave me the critical thought the, their critical thinking about mm. what I was doing and so I feel that feedback is love it's really the way that we yeah, grow and get better um, and so, this community, if I'm sorry, yeah, go ahead. But this goes beyond the work of the coalition. I think that we are so blessed that people are so engaged and so outspoken. Right. The other side of that coin so is hard. that we we are very difficult. We don't uh, celebrate failures. As a result, we have organizations and institutions who are afraid to step out and try right. because the community can be so unforgiving. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if we can, if we want to grow, we've got to leave some room for things not to be perfect. Right. And to give the feedback and give people the opportunity to course correct. Right. Because once you give them the negative feedback, then you've got to sit back and see, well, okay, do they take it? Mm-hmm. Right. The critique and do they do anything with it? But if you like throw the bums out, <laughs> right. nobody's going to want to be right. transparent with you. So what's an area of growth for you guys that you're working on? Um, I'm sorry, for you ladies, for the organization. <laughs> working on not saying guys anymore. I just say it instead of generically. But um, what's, a, what's an area of growth that you are all trying to really focus your energy on? Whether it be, you know, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind and I wanted to ask you about was youth and how you engage the youth. Yeah. Um, because... I'm going to get on right here. I've already talked to the school board and told them they need to put a fifth grader and an eighth grader and more kids on their board mm-hmm. to learn, not mm-hmm. to vote. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I also believe that a high, the high school students, the senior, should have a vote mm-hmm. because you have been now mentored mm-hmm. into leadership. I mean, mm-hmm. what is leadership? What is student government really about mm-hmm. if you're not actually teaching children how to govern so that they can be our leaders and we need younger leaders. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a long way of me asking again, what's your area of growth and what are you thinking about youth? <laughs> <laughs> I think that we have a real opportunity to engage youth more in more ways than we have uh, in the past. Um, they, We know, you know, having raised uh, children who've gone through the school district, school I have two who have 
gone all the way through and are out in the world and one who's now at the high school, um, we learn more from them than anybody else about what's actually happening with their education and how uh, integration um, can be better supported and better relationships built within um, the buildings. We know that that's been, it, it's such an ongoing struggle for this community, how best to serve all students equitably and to provide them with the best education. We know, I mean, this is a passion of mine. This, this is what got me to the coalition. I did serve a term on the school board when my children were very young. Um, and uh, it was so hard to make even the smallest change to support uh, better integrated classrooms. And we have been on this path and it's painfully slow. When I started at the coalition, I feel like we keep nudging things along and it, it's hard for people who need that change now. They needed it 10 years ago. Right. So I've watched so many kids go through the district that uh, many are very well served and many have not been well served. And, and it's, a, it's a source of pain for us as an organization, as a community and personally. Um, so that, that's an area where I feel like we have made some progress but just not enough. So there are just many more opportunities for us. Um, I, I sort of rambled there. So I'll go back to engaging youth. We would like to work more with uh, students at, um, at the high school. Um, we have had opportunities off and on over the last couple of years. So uh, that's an area. We've been also working with um, uh, younger children, not ourselves, but we've established this uh, Soma Integrated Play Group uh, which our former trustee, Kelly Tianga, um, that was her, her idea and it, it works through our schools committee. Um, but a lot of help, helping parents to build relationships and helping kids to build relationships from that very early age that they don't often get to have because of the nature of our preschools, which can also be uh, racially segregated. Not always, right. but they, they can be. Right. So we want to provide people the opportunities early on, even before they step foot in the school system. Um, and then, you know, of course, we've got our eye on what is happening with uh, the school district and our interim superintendent's uh, plans for integrating the elementary schools. So You are making my goosebumps just <laughs> because I was reading about the integration and rezoning last mm -hmm. night and wanted to ask you about that. So thank you for <laughs> answering all my questions before I get to ask them. And so how are you like able to work with them? Do you meet with them? Do you have a committee that meets with them? I'd love to know a little bit more of the uh, behind the curtain kind of information. I can take that. We have a schools committee okay. uh, which focuses on all things school related. Uh, we don't try to change curriculum, but we look particularly at those levers that impact our integration and inclusion. So we work with, you know, what is the composition of students racially? What is the composition of teachers racially? Yes. What's going on with administration? What yes. about the policies and yes. how that impacts mm -hmm. students of, of different colors? And uh, we always seek to be that voice uh, and to look carefully at what's going on and to speak up when we see things that are going on uh, and to kind of work with the stakeholders who actually have the power to make the change. Uh, we've been very fortunate, our schools committee and our organization in general uh, has had good rapport with the school board, but we've not always been on the same page in terms mm -hmm. of you need to do more, you need to do 
harder, faster. Right. And you worked on the school board. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I try not to be so impatient about it, but, you know, my, my emotions kind of definitely, my emotions get the better of me. Yes. Um, I try to be, and it's not that I, I am impatient about it. I, I try not to get um, so upset that I can't be actionable. So. Yes. My concern constantly lies with the fact that things move so slowly. Yes. And I'm not, and I feel like it's so many reasons it moves slowly. Yes. You know, I think that our community can have a voice that is also sort of fake, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, our community mm-hmm. doesn't stand together and have a loudspeaker. It's right. this, some of it's perception, some of it is the way people are on, you know, the, the voices on Facebook. The, mm-hmm. But like, why aren't, why aren't we just doing it? <laughs> Why isn't it just I think happening? That, I think it's the struggle between individual and community. Uh, we look at my children sometimes with a small m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how is this going to impact the people who sleep under my roof rather than my with a big m? All of the children in our community. Yes. And yeah. sometimes it requires, it's a tension, it's a sacrifice. Right. You know, right. And, and, and parents struggle with that. Uh, and they believe in theory, but when it comes down to what's how it's going to impact my kids, then I'm out. Right, you know? right. So we need people to really have to live their conviction, right. to walk the talk, right. to right. stand the course, stay the course. Right. Know? One of the things we're doing with the school board, uh, concrete things, is uh, working with the realtors as we anticipate what will be coming out of the plans that our interim superintendent is is leading the board towards, and Sometimes realtors uh, kind of create a divisive situation where they tout one school as being the ultimate and another school not so much. Uh, they're legally not allowed to actually say the words, but they're code words, dog whistles about mm-hmm. where you really want to be. Right. And so as we know, it, to give us the space to do what needs to be done to come up with this totally integrated school uh, district, we wanted them to know up front that if you're going out and selling a neighborhood as being uh, approximate to a particular school and your kid's going to be able to walk, you may be giving misinformation. Right. Especially so now. Than, exactly. So right. rather than having people come into our community and feel like they've been misled, we need to, to sell the entire district, all of our schools, right. as great places to be. Absolutely. So we had Dr. Picaro come in and talk to, it was open to all of the realtors, and talk about what the plans are going to be uh, take questions and to kind of plant this seed is the days of the neighborhood school you need to let that go yeah mm-hmm. you need to let that for the go. good of all of us right. yes for exactly. the good of all of us exactly. because really we should our schools are amazing and I was lucky enough to work here for eight years so I know so many teachers from all the schools they are all just working so hard and doing so much to help all of our kids. Mm-hmm. There's beautiful learning everywhere. And of course, let me just say, of course there's room for improvement everywhere. But mm-hmm. the got the goal is let's help everybody think of our district as it doesn't matter what school you go to. That's you're gonna right. get a great education. You're gonna have great colleagues. You're gonna have great I always my students always called they call them each other colleagues. Because mm-hmm. I think that you're working together next yes. to each other. Mm-hmm. And this is preparing us for the real world, you mm-hmm. know, where you will be colleagues with people. You will not you will not just all be students together. You're going to work together, right? So, um, and the teachers are all just beautiful human beings who are 
who want to teach. You don't get into teaching because you're like, yeah, I'm going to make all this money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, do something for the community. You get into teaching because you want to help a child yes. learn something and become a leader but someday. You're, you're an amazing teacher, but let's be honest. Teaching, the, the, that the, the profession of teaching is a microcosm of the world. And that's right. continuum. Right. Not all teachers are good oh, teachers. Oh, for sure. And not all serve all students <laughs> exactly. well. Right. Exactly. So we need to be real and we need to provide the support to, to, for those who are great and to help those who could be great get there and to figure right. out how we weed out the other Well, ones. how do we talk <laughs> about professional development too? Yeah. Because, I mean, I go to the school, every time I go to the board, like, yeah. come on. Let's get the professional development up. And especially, they were doing anti-bias training at one time mm -hmm. where they were taking 35 teachers a year. There's 700 staff members. Mm -hmm. 20 years it would take you to get through them. And let's, I mean, it's right. just, it's kind of ridiculous. It is, yes. So how, how do you help in that? Because I agree wholeheartedly. There are beautiful people who are teaching, but everybody needs to be developed. Right. Yes, yes. Especially and, when it comes to bias, and I, I think in my opinion. The thing that the coalition does is to nudge the board and the community to do the tough things that need to be done to right. really get the outcome that we want. For example, some of these things that are option optional, they should not be optional. I totally agree. Totally and agree. And so rather than 35 teachers, every teacher needs to have the baseline. And in many cases, we find that they want the information. Right. Yes. Right. Or at yes. least have the opportunity. Majority, yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to take a step back yes. just to speak to some of the specific things that, that uh, you spoke about. You asked about, you know, how do we like move the project along faster and why does it take so long? So yeah. from the perspective of someone who served on a school, on this school board, yes. um, you know, the school board potentially changes over every year by one third. Yes. So it's a nine member board. You have to have, there's voting. They can't make a, a lot of individual specific curricular changes, right. uh, organization of uh, classrooms, um, but they have to task a superintendent with that. They are sort of the first front for, they have to represent the culture of the community. The coalition has always said, we strive to build a culture of integration in this community. We market the community based on that. So if you move here, and this speaks to your point about the realtors, you should expect to sort of be on board with this fully. But of course, people are people. So they come and they say, I like diversity, but oops, when it comes to my kid, I want my kid to be uh, well served. So if AP classes or the highest level classes are not really, you know, they're mostly white, my kid's white. Well, you know, my kid earned her way into that classroom. And so we've struggled over time to change all of those things. And, right. you know, over my 20 years here, you can see more access to AP classes, less levels. But these were changes that were so hard won. Right. It takes not just a coalition on race, but we are a big part of that. And our schools committee is a big part of that, not just vocally uh, with educational forums and workshops, engaging uh, parents and teachers in this message of how we uh, deliver an excellent uh, and equitable education, but working behind the scenes, uh, going to school board members, going to the superintendent, going to the head, whoever is running uh, development or human resources, you really need to deliver anti-bias uh, development to all teachers. We really need to have a diversity hiring fair so that we can attract. Now, one, and, and they're, you know, 
doing that now. But what about there are teachers of color who don't stay? Why is that? Mm -hmm. We want you to do exit interviews uh, or do things to foster a climate in which everybody uh, on the teaching staff feels uh, uh, included, welcome, they have a voice, and that they're getting the training that yes. they need and deserve. Yes. So these are all things that we work on. Um, we're we're there. Yeah. We're doing it. It doesn't mean it always, it always happens, happens, of course, because you know there is there's an institutional structure. Like people say, you know, to to use the example of uh, of the school buildings, um, something's broken. You want it fixed. You, you can't just send people in to fix it. There are laws and rules and uh, contractual responsibilities. It takes a long time. Right. It, it's unfortunate that's the world we live in, but um, you know, some of that institutional change is painfully slow. Right. But that doesn't mean we're not going right. to push. But I thank hard. you for putting a fine point on that because I mean, some of some of the things is like. You know, I think like we're in my living room, so mm -hmm. I my door breaks. Let's call the handy person, right. and then it gets exactly. done. And then, but it, you know, the 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 institutions create this mm -hmm. sort of structure yes. where it takes seven steps yep. to get to to get to making a change. But I think yeah. it all comes down to communication too. I know uh, one of the projects that the coalition started basically after talking to realtors about the high school, and they were concerned as people came in to uh, look at properties. Uh, if, and if they went into the high school, it, they felt like it didn't have energy, that it was dingy, that the lighting, etc. So based on what the realtor said, we pulled together a team of people. I was part of that team. And we totally redid that entry area with the new lights, the, the, the floors, uh, bookcases, etc. The point I found out, though, is that people had said that the school district would not allow parents to come in and volunteer to paint. What we found out is... In working with the administrators there, what they didn't want was things to go unmanaged. Mm -hmm. So we agreed upon a color palette, right. things like that. And after that, then we were able to go and do paint right. ourselves. So it's communication. Communication, and totally. And there, there are barriers, or things that appear to be barriers, right. that if you really investigate them, right. uh, that you can find a way to work around them. I'd like to shift, if I can, sure. uh, in the work that we're doing, not just on the schools, because so much of what we do is yeah. related to the schools, but the community needs to understand that there are other key levers yes. related to integration in this community. When we talk about housing, for example, I mentioned when I was describing Don DeMarco's principles about sustainable integration of the supply and demand. And people, everybody wants to live in a community that's bright and beautiful, etc. And so one of the things we've worked is we, it's been demonstrated that a community stays integrated when the homes are well-maintained. Mm -hmm. So the coalition has put together uh, a home maintenance loan program that recognizes uh, the fact that sometimes circumstances, let's say we have seniors who've aged in place, their income's not the same, whatever the circumstances, people sending off three, four kids to college, right. you don't have the money to do the maintenance that you should. So we have a home maintenance loan that's available to residents, Maplewood South Orange. You've got to reside in the home so it's not a situation where flippers can come in right. and abuse that. And it's based to for beautification from the curb. So if someone's driving through our community, every home they see looks great. Yeah. Whether they're driving through Hilton or whether they're driving through Newstead, whatever the community, right. it all looks great. And uh, we have these loans available. Uh, at 
prime interest rate and you don't have to have this glowing, glowing credit to get prime interest rate because the money comes from us. Mm-hmm. We put together a fund that was begun by both towns contributing and by a national integrationist organization called uh, Fund for an Open Society that I'm not sure if they're still around. around but we, and we've restricted the, these funds so they can be used only for a particular purpose. Mm-hmm. So if people who live in Maplewood South Orange would like to do a home repair that's external, so it's got to be a roof, a sidewalk, windows, doors, garage, mm-hmm. something that people can see when they're driving through, we will offer them up to uh, $5,000. They have three years to pay it back at prime rate. And we've had too few, too few takers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have an unlimited fund. Right. But uh, what we do with the, the way the program is set up, as people pay back, and we just had one of our, uh, our loan uh, loans repaid, that money and the interest goes back into the fund to loan to the next person. Wow. So if anybody out there you know, has home repairs and you'd like That's to have incredible. done, we would love to, to, to support in that way. To keep, because when we say when your house looks, looks good, we all look good. We all look good, for sure. Exactly. So and all of the information, including the forms, the application forms, are on our twotowns.org website. And you can go in and just print them out and fill them out. We're going to be doing, um, have presence at the upcoming Senior Housing Fair. I believe it's been slated for November the 4th. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're actually yeah. going to show up and help not only present information about this option, but we're also going to help seniors fill forms out. Mm-hmm. And this is not only seniors, but also neighborhoods. Right. Neighborhood right. association. If you've got that neighbor, everybody knows that house <laughs> where the paint's right. peeling. Exactly. Right. exactly. And you yeah. know those people, the people who live in that house, usually are not proud that their house exactly. looks like that. Right. They, would, they, yeah. they would like to change it too. Yes. And I, I just want to like to put a fine point on compassion mm-hmm. and empathy because, you know, it's not like somebody wants their home to look like that. That's you right. don't know what people are going That's through, right. mm-hmm. what their circumstances are. And even, you know, I feel like the shaming of that just leads to more depression by the person who might live mm-hmm. there and not, mm-hmm. not be able to do anything, you know. And... I would like to see more than just this loan program. I like to see the community neighborhood associations maybe have some volunteers, mm-hmm. like a little volunteer group on the weekends, get together and just yeah. walk yeah. around the neighborhood and be like, hey, I noticed that your lawn isn't mowed. I don't know what's going on for you, but got my lawnmower. Would you like mm-hmm. some help? That's you know, idea. how cool would that yeah, be? There are communities idea. that have, uh, you know, more robust uh, neighborhood support uh, groups that they loan out tools. Uh, they have groups that come in with handymen to, to um, help out. And it is a strategy to keep a, a, a neighborhood um, viable and oh. robust and um, and so that people can stay in their homes. And they're, here we do run the risk of homes being um, taken over, you know, people being foreclosed on. It's not a huge problem in, in uh, South Orange Maplewood yet, but it can. We're vulnerable like every other uh, community. We want people to be able to stay here. So the loan is part of, it's a pro-integrative strategy. Right. It helps people stay where they are. Yeah. uh, And it can be an incentive for people uh, to move here. And and we want people to feel, I mean, if you pay it back, nobody's giving you or gifting you anything. You pay it back. So there's there's no reason to have any, you know, negative feelings about taking the loan. You're just 
uh, increasing your options. It's an opportunity. Yes. It's a lovely opportunity. We have been talking for a really long time, which I love. <laughs> I know that's what that's what a really good conversation is. But I'd love to hear um, some calls to action for our listeners, for our viewers, and I want to hear about some events that you guys, you all have coming up. Okay. Uh, okay. There are so many things that we can call people to act on. Right now, I, one thing I didn't get to mention, so I'll use this as a call to action, right. although it wasn't originally on my list. So we did this demographic study um, two years ago, and we've taken it out and about to the community, and it's provided really useful information um, about where we are and where we're going in terms of both uh, the schools and our neighborhoods. And uh, we are seeing some... Uh, as Audrey started our whole conversation off with talking about the concern about uh, white flight in you know 20 plus years ago, um, now we have a lot of white people actually moving into the community and it is lowering our um, black population. Um, we don't have a lot of black in-movers right now. Okay. Uh, we will see that more clearly and more definitively once the 2020 census is out. But one of the things that we do is we study this. We want to understand the reasons why and what we can do to continue to achieve stability in our integration levels. Mm -hmm. And we are also seeing some neighborhoods that have continued to be intractable in the sense that they have stayed white or they have stayed majority people of color in that neighborhood. And many neighborhoods have increased their levels of integration, which is exactly what we want. So if you are a researcher, if you do any kind of demographic study, if you like to play with numbers, if you're good with Excel spreadsheets, we want you to come to us so Great. that we can use your services, volunteer on that committee. We're always looking for volunteers. but uh, So we're going to talk generally about volunteering for the coalition, but that's an area in which uh, we provide a, an important service to both the school district and um, to the towns. But it also supports uh, integration, our mission of integration overall. Because if we don't have this information, we could be walking around going, yeah, this is great, and really not understand that uh, we're, we're losing or uh, levels of integration that we want to maintain. That's a really that's good point. And, and, and that's very specific needs for volunteers, but volunteers in general mm -hmm. is what we really, really need. I, uh, I think that everybody, not everybody, many of us uh, appreciate uh, that we are an integrated community, but like anything else, Patty, it takes work. And we have so many things that need to be done, but we need people to help with that. Ideas, uh, and beyond ideas, actually doing the actual work and actually work. Right. Actually work. So we have four more uh, concepts uh, within our various groups, and we're organized into subgroups to try to focus on every aspect of the community, uh, whether it be schools, whether it be residential. We have a marketing committee that's working at Seton Hall on a research uh, project now to get at just what Nancy's mentioning. What are the levers? What's the root cause for not having more uh, people of color move into our neighborhoods? Right. And are there actionable things? Are there things that we can do mm -hmm. differently here right. to impact that so we don't end up being an all-white community right. again? Right. Uh, so I mentioned schools, residential, uh, marketing. We have uh, the committee that she's mentioning, uh, we call it MERT. That's the Monitoring, Evaluation, Research, and Testing Committee. Okay. And we're looking at what's going on 
internally are we meeting our goals and externally what's going on out there that we need to be aware of mm-hmm. that could impact us here as a community so we're not being reactive we right. get ahead right. of things we right. see, see what's going on uh, and then we have what we call community engagement that's a bit big bucket because a lot of what we do is not about people just living next door to each other of different race but influencing enriching each other's lives mm-hmm. and to do that you have to interact Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the fear comes from the fact that people don't really know anybody of color other than at a superficial level. Right. So they smile and nod, but they really don't know what's going on in their heads, in their hearts, and they think they're different. Right. And so we try to set up situations where people work together and understand that we, in many cases, feel and want and think the same. Mm-hmm. Right. So whether it's working on a project, uh, whether it's an, an arts-related workshop, uh, whether it's a, a civic engagement workshop where you're learning how to work and be part of different communities, um, these are things that are important uh, for us. Mm-hmm. And we need people to, yeah. to staff right. all of that. Right. Also, financial resource. Uh, we are a 501c3 organization, uh, which means we don't get big bucks, you know, right. dropping right. out. <laughs> right. uh, the majority of our funds actually come from you. Yes. Uh, we come, come from donors. Yes. We need That's donors. right. <laughs> Individual donors, uh, we get a significant amount of our resources from our town government. I think it's around 38%, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then we try to raise the money. But we'd much rather be working on programming to support integration than figuring out how to pay the bills. Right. Absolutely. So uh, we ask people, uh, we have two big fund drives every year. We mm-hmm. have one in the spring and one at the end of the year. Uh, where we ask people who believe in the mission that we have to kind of show that in right. your checkbook, on your credit card, right. um, donating uh, to the coalition. So we need human resource, we need financial resources, Great. and we need ideas. People who have who agree or don't agree with us, mm-hmm. we need to hear from you, mm-hmm. right. quite frankly. Right. I think that's great. And I will add that um, the board has gone through uh, some strategic planning over the last three years that included an update to our mission and vision statements, uh, an update to how we structure our committees and the work that we do. So Audrey mentioned that we're focused on residential issues, schools, uh, community engagement, and marketing, marketing uh, plus the, uh, the research and uh, evaluation um, arm serves all of those uh, groups. In addition to that, because our, we're so resource limited, um, we really want to focus all of the efforts of those uh, groups on um, aspects of the mission over time. So we've developed just recently two new initiatives that will provide the umbrella for uh, these groups to work on over the next two years. And I don't have them in front of me, so I can't read them out and you know, wording is boring anyway, but essentially, we are looking at how to uh, um, best reach our target uh, groups um, to, to market to the target groups so that we have, we maintain in movers that uh, support the fully integrated community and how we support the people who already mm-hmm. live here. Because if people who live here aren't telling a good story, if they are, and we know that people do and they should, be on social media and complain and say, my child was not well served or my child's in a classroom that is not integrated or a- any right. of those things. 
then we're not serving those people well. And why would other people move to the community? Right. So that that is one of the uh, uh, initiatives that we're working on. Um, in terms of upcoming events, I'm going to piggyback on the uh, donation thing. Yes, we have our appeals, so we certainly hope that people will uh, donate to our appeals. And you can donate anytime on our donation page. Uh, and you can be a subscriber, so you can do monthly uh, donations as well. But we have a big fundraiser, our Celebrating, celebrating Integration. This year, the theme is uh, local businesses are community champions, and we are honoring uh Julie Pauly of uh, the Abel Baker and Yannick Ranieri of Papillon in South Orange. Um, wonderful community supporters. You know, they're, um, they own local businesses, they run them, they conceive them, they love being in Maplewood and South Orange, and they have uh, personally supported the coalition mm -hmm. in you know, both financial ways and, uh, and other ways as well. When is that? On. That is October 13th at the Woodland. It's $100 a ticket. Uh, you can sign up on our website, or you can call our office for um, uh, uh, to get an invitation. One other really important event I want to mention. I, I don't want us to run out of time. That's okay. Because so much is happening with the school district, and Dr. Fakara and the school board has they they have gone out um, to uh, uh, promote the uh, changes to the buildings and to ask the community for a whole lot of money that we know we need. We need to reconfigure how our, our buildings are um, for safety and structural reasons and, and so many other reasons. And he has said that this will support um, a, a pro-integrative strategy for the elementary schools. Um, so we want to engage, our schools committee wants to engage the community in a conversation about what integration looks like both within the district and regionally and uh, across the nation. So we are fortunate to have uh, Assemblywoman Myla Jacy, who will provide the local context. She was uh, BOE president for many years. I served on the school board uh, with her at one point, um, and she works on education issues uh, throughout the state. So she'll provide the local context. Uh, professor Elise Boddy uh, is uh, uh, professor at Rutgers University in the law department. She also works on uh, civil rights issues, speaks about these things. She is uh, a part of the state uh, lawsuit through an organization, not personally, um, that is focused on how we can integrate New Jersey schools overall. Yes. So we, we're very insular. We're very, we work on our problems here. But we have to see ourselves also in the context of the county, the region, and the state. We right. are a highly diverse state, and we are terribly segregated. Right. So we want people to come and hear that message as well. And when's that? That, we can't, that is October 2nd. Okay. Yes. It's a Tuesday night, and I don't have the location yet. That's but okay. Please, please, please. And our Facebook page. Well, you know me. I'll, as You'll soon as you get that. me the information, well, <laughs> yeah. and when I get the information, just because I interview you now and you go on my next podcast doesn't mean that I won't mention Excellent. any other events going forward. So and I'll get that. People to come. This is a great way to balance the emotionalism of this with true information. Yes. Uh, as she was saying, Professor Elise uh, Bodhi was also the director of the NAACP National Defense Fund on Education. Mm -hmm. Wow. So she knows this stuff in That's terms incredible. of the litigation standpoint, yes. too, as, as well. And the other thing I'd like to mention, I know we're running out of time. That's okay. Is we're at the point uh, every year, uh, we are very intentional about how we work and how we structure ourselves. So our board is constructed. So we have a balance between 
South Orange Maplewood. We have a balance between black, white. And we are at the point now that we're taking in nominations for trustees. It's very important that our board reflect the community. Yes. So we wanted to reflect it not just black, white, but also the what we call the emerging groups in our in our community. Those populations that are under ten percent uh, Asian, Hispanic, uh, on our board. So uh, we'd like people, if you are asked or if you have an interest, uh, to consider yeah. coming forth and being a part of the whole decision making planning process that helps to shape the work that we do. That's and wonderful. I, I will give a special shout out to. South Orange folks because we uh, are Maplewood heavy right now on our board and we really, really do want uh, more South Orange representation on our board. We Wonderful. Will turn you down. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I want to talk about yes. your most upcoming event that's going to happen yes. right after the podcast I don't drops. Know if you can see this. <laughs> this is a flyer about our coffee house discussion. Uh, this is an opportunity for neighbors to come together and talk about race related issues in a casual environment, candid environment, facilitated, so it's not everybody just going hog right. wild, respectful way, right. in a way to learn and also to possibly surface some solutions. We are starting this year to work uh, on a different uh, model. Uh, we're going to be doing what we call affinity groups, uh, gathering people together who have a commonality, uh, whether it be race, whether it be gender, what have you, so that we can go deeper. Because what happens when we're in these large groups and you have one, two, or three people from a different group, it gets diluted and you really don't get a sense. Right. So this one coming up, which is going to be on uh, September the 25th, coming up very quickly, is going to be race and the Latinx community. Uh, we have updated our thinking that Latino, Latina are, are very gender focused. So Latinx takes in all, regardless to the racial. Um, oh. orientation and we are hoping that a lot of our neighbors do come out from those communities as well as the rest of us okay because this is how we learn right so we want to surface what are the issues what are the experiences how can we be supportive that's great and that's going to be at the woodland also from 730 to 9 on the 25th of September and we're encouraging people to uh, RSVP so that we can have the proper setup for seating and it can be a conversation that's mixed not just people talking to themselves right. in terms of their perspectives. Wonderful. And this is free. Everything that we do, yeah. except for fundraisers, it is free. We rarely ever charge an entrance fee. I don't think we've done so in years. No. Only when we have to you know, support uh, other professionals. Yeah. Do we do that? So right. donations really help. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you guys heard it. Donate, donate, donate. Um, and you can find the Community Coalition on Race on Facebook. Yes. Yes. Coalition on, on Race. Instagram. Yes. yes. Not, not so much. We're not using it as much. We're we're trying to do that. that. We Get need yeah. younger volunteers. Yes. <laughs> we have Social a Twitter feed and we have uh, Instagram. We have a YouTube uh, channel. Uh, we use our Facebook page quite a bit. We try to post uh, a lot, all of our events plus uh, informational pieces on uh, the page. And we have a website, twotowns.org. That's Two the heartbeat. Okay. And we have an e-newsletter yes. where monthly we give uh, updates on what we're doing as well as other uh, activities. So we encourage everyone to be on our yep. subscriber list. And we Wonderful. do not bombard you with stuff. It's a once a month e newsletter with a few blasts that will update you on an upcoming event. 
Wonderful. And thank you, ladies, oh, thank so you. much for thank being you. here. Yeah. This was great. It. I don't mind at all that we went over time because <laughs> it's my podcast. <laughs> I mean, I could go as long as I want. So thank you all so much. And as I usually end, I'm going to say we are out. Thank you so much for listening to that beautiful, deep, and rich conversation about the Community Coalition on Race, and I hope that you take those calls to action seriously. Please get involved in some way by donating, volunteering, or being present at events. You can attend them and then discuss them with your friends. Let's make sure that we all know the goals and become advocates of integration in our two towns. Check them out at twotowns.org, or you can look them up on Facebook and Instagram at uh, at sign Community Coalition on Race. Uh, so there's a lot of things to talk about, but I have to keep it very short because that was a beautiful conversation, but it was long. And I just wanna remind you to get involved in the local elections. The school board election is upon us, and there are a lot of hot topics that people are discussing. So another couple of calls to action here. First of all, make sure you attend a debate. Two, engage in some dialogue and learn about the candidates. Talk to your friends about who they're voting for and why. And then also do some other research. And, guys, listen to my podcast because I invited all of the school board candidates to meet up with me and have a conversation about the state of the district. I have three interviews lined up so far, two promises to make appointments, and it's my goal to have all the candidates come to meet with me and have a chat. So... Stay tuned because I'm going to drop all of the interviews at one time so all candidates have an equal chance to be heard. They've all been given the same questions and I look forward to starting those interviews next week and hopefully dropping them in October. Alright, so there's a couple of upcoming events that I'm super excited about. First, Words Bookstore, my favorite bookstore in our two towns is having a book signing on Saturday, September 22nd at 4 p.m. The book is a children's book called We Rise, We Resist, We Raise Our Voices. So definitely check that out. On Tuesday, September 25th, there are two events. There are two competing events. But, you know, I think both of them are important. You'll have to just think about where your interests and your, you know, your priorities lie or where you might be able to go to another event down the line for the other group. So... That said, special ed PTO meeting at 7.30 in the district meeting room on September 25th. It's at 525 Academy Street in Maplewood. And then there's the Community Coalition on Race is hosting a coffee house discussion entitled Race and, Lat and the Latinx Community at 7.30 p.m. in the Woodland Parlor on Woodland Road. So that's another event. So they're definitely at the same time, but... You have choice. That's the cool thing in this town. On Tuesday night, you have two possible events to go to. And then I also want to say that I think it's wonderful if you attend the Community Coalition on Race event. If you're unable to make it, they have another event coming up on October 2nd, which is also a Tuesday. And they're going to be bringing speakers in, Assemblywoman Milo J.C. and Professor Elise Boddy. And they're going to be discussing school integration. Check their website, Facebook, and Instagram for details on where those that event will be and what time it starts. All right, so just I wanted to shout out 
to my beautiful, amazing friends, family members, family, fans who are listening, and just let you know that you inspired me to start doing more and doing video and to keep on sharing my stories and sharing the people who are inspiring to me. So I appreciate that you are supportive of me and showing me a lot of encouragement and love. This podcast feels like a huge vulnerable undertaking and I'm okay with at this time receiving a lot of love, kindness, and encouragement. And that feels really good because in the past I would have doubted that I deserved it or needed it. And you know what? We all need it. We all need love, kindness, and encouragement. I love giving it and it's kind of cool that I'm getting really okay with getting it from people too, which I think can be hard for me. So thank you so much. And please check me out on Facebook at Sip and Soma, on Instagram at Sip and Soma. DM me, PM me. I love chatting with people and share with me your suggestions. And if you've attended some events, I'd love to hear about that. All right. Thank you so much. And I hope that you have a great, wonderful day whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this. And I'm out.